So today, as I said, we're launching a new series based on Mark's Gospel. We've called it Remarkable, and we're going to explore who Mark is, what he wrote about Jesus, and what impact that will have on our lives. We're going to travel that over these coming weeks, so we're excited at what that might mean. You might know that Mark is just one of four Gospels, so we have Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, all of whom feature at the beginning of the New Testament. They're four accounts of Jesus' life and his ministry. But what you might not know is that Mark is thought to have been the first of those writers to use the phrase Gospel and to compile that term even as he talked about Jesus and what that meant. We see that very much at the beginning, right in verse 1 there. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. Or, as the original translation of the New International Version puts it, the beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And this word gospel is essentially a new phrase, a new word with a new meaning that it would appear that Mark has created in writing this story. So the word, as we've seen translated already in those verses, is meaning good news. It means good news, the gospel, the gospel story, the story of Jesus Christ is good news. And so in many ways, it's not a biography of Jesus, although of course it does give an account of his life. It's not a letter, although it is written with a purpose, because Mark has written it to a specific audience in the hope that they will read and understand who Jesus is and respond to him. But neither is it a story, although of course it contains lots of, and not all, of Jesus' life, ministry and death and resurrection. So while it's a bit of all these things, Mark is clear, this is different, this is the gospel, this is the good news, and it is remarkable. It is written with a purpose, that is that we should meet, know, and respond to the person of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. So who was Mark? Who was this little fellow that wrote this book? Well, most scholars believe him to be John Mark, who features in the book of Acts later in the New Testament. Mark accompanied Paul and Barnabas on their first missionary journeys, or one of their first missionary journeys. But also, Mark is a little bit of a controversial character because it seems that Paul and Barnabas fall out over the idea of whether John Mark should be allowed to go with them. They fall out to such an extent that actually they divide up. Paul goes in one direction, Barnabas heads in the other, and Mark has been the cause of this friction. So Mark's got a bit of a bad rep as well. But we do see that he seems to be in a better place in his relationship with Paul, at least later, because in 2 Timothy 4, chapter 11, Paul writes this, describing him as helpful to my ministry. So maybe he's come good at the end. But whatever Mark's later story, the story of the account of which he wrote this is very much relating to the fact that he is first and foremost a good friend of Peter. And Peter, we know, was the keenest and most I don't know, the most advanced, the most developed, but also the most flawed, if you like, of Jesus' disciples. And it would appear that Peter is telling his story to Mark, who is then recording it. And most people think that this happened around AD 60, so just before the fall of Jerusalem, and probably at this point that Mark is in Rome, where Peter is basically preaching the gospel. So some people have argued that essentially this is what Peter was preaching is being written down by John Mark. Or in other words, what we have is an eyewitness account of what Peter saw in his life in those three years of following Jesus around and being his disciple. Or in other words, this gospel of Mark is Mark as the spokesperson for Peter the disciple. It's a first-hand account of the life of Jesus from one of his keenest disciples. That in itself is remarkable. So let's look at how Mark starts his gospel. 
We've seen it already. Verse 1, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Now, you know, some books are written so that they build up to an ending. So maybe that murder mystery or something where you can see where the projection of where it's going, but not right till the end is everything revealed. Well, Mark is the epitome of the complete opposite of this. Mark is straight in there. Verse 1, it's like he can't contain it. This is Jesus. Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And folks, this is good news right from the beginning. It's remarkable. Peter, the chap who dictated most of this, he then comes on to write about this later. And he says in 2 Peter 1 verse 16, For we did not follow cleverly devised stories that we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So look at this. Peter later writes that this is not a fairy tale. This is my eyewitness account. This is what I saw. This is what I had the privilege of being part of. And look at this line. And we are eyewitnesses of his majesty. He realizes fully, completely, and absolutely gives his life to this cause that Jesus was the majesty, was the Messiah, was the Son of God. We just had Easter a few weeks ago. And I don't know what stood out to you over this Easter time. But for me personally, one of the things that I was really struck by was just the wonder of the resurrection. The fact of the empty tomb. Now as part of my uh, Easter exploration, if you like, I was watching the movie God's Not Dead 2. Now there's God's Not Dead 1, and thankfully still not dead by the time they make version 2 as well. They're not great movies, but they're not bad. They're reasonable to watch. That wasn't a promo. I don't get any loyalties for that or royalties for that, whatever. But... If you watch God's Not Dead 2, they bring in, in cameo form, that is playing themselves, two of the actors, two of the people, not actors, but two of the writers that basically wrote books exploring the truth of the resurrection. And they bring them in to talk about their books and what they discovered. Now, they were atheists when they started writing those books. By the end of writing those books, they've become fully committed to Jesus and have given their lives to him. And they share in the film just a bit of that story. Now, they're not great actors, but what they do is communicate the wonder of scientific men, lawyers. They understand the wonder of the resurrection based on the literature at the time, the biblical material. That's the conclusion they've come to. They're completely convinced of the wonder of the truth of who Jesus is, and they respond to that. And that stood out to me so clearly that this is true. The grave was empty. Jesus is resurrected. We know the body wasn't there. The disciples gave their lives for the fact that he wasn't there. They never denied it. They'd suffered horrendous deaths because they knew the truth of the fact that the tomb was empty. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And you probably hope that, given what I do, I probably, you probably hope that I believe that already. Well, of course I believe that already. But that's the other way that scripture operates. Sometimes the Lord takes things and just highlights them to us again. I've been following Jesus for many years. But again, it's just struck me, the wonder, the historical truth. Jesus is alive. Death is defeated. And don't we need to know that in these times we're living? When sadly so many hundreds of people are dying each day in our country, let alone across the world. And yet we have a hope. I don't look forward to dying, but I have a hope that death is defeated that I have a sureness of where I will be because that tomb is empty and one day I will be with him. And that's Mark's motivation too. He's the shortest of the writers. He's short and sharp in what he writes. It's only 16 chapters. It's the book that we recommend. If you've been with us in church, you've probably heard me say there's a Mark's Gospel. It's a freebie. We'd love you to take it. We give them away like dolly mixtures really because of the truth that's in there and the simplicity that's there. Just 16 chapters. But in those 16 chapters, it's very fast moving. And 42 times he uses the phrase at once, or immediately if you like, as to say it just moves on. 
So, so quickly we race through Jesus's life, and that's sort of the hallmark of Mark's, Mark's writing. His emphasis is really on what Jesus did rather than what he said. So if you do choose to read the book, that's what you'll discover as we go through it. But primarily, Mark is about discipleship. That is being a follower of Jesus and what that means for us. And so that's what we're going to explore. That's what we're going to explore. That's why we're exploring this book really over this term. Because as a church, we love discipleship. That's what we're about: is following Jesus and bringing others into that relationship with Him as well. One of those folks that has that relationship with Him is Amy, and I'm delighted to say that she's going to share something of that reading with us now. So if you'd like to turn, if you've got a Mark's Gospel to hand, we're going to look at chapter one, verses 14 to 20, and Amy's going to come and read that for us now. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Jesus states very clearly, you see, that the kingdom of God is near. In his coming, the kingdom has come. It's come near. And it's a really interesting phrase. It's come near. It's not that it's here in completion, but it's come near. As in we have to reach out and grasp it. It's there to be grasped, but we have to reach out and grasp it. The choice remains ours. And immediately Mark presents us with the very reason and the purpose of Jesus' mission. He says the kingdom of God is near, therefore repent and believe. The kingdom demands a response from each one of us. You see, Mark's not writing some self-help guide or giving us some sort of toolkit on how to live a better life. What he's calling us to is this radical discipleship of our need for this, disciple, this Messiah and our need as disciples to follow him and commit to be his. We need to make that personal response to him. And later in Mark chapter 8 verse 34 we'll realise that Mark says this is not easy. Jesus in his words says this, he calls the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. This is no self-help guide, this is very different. A different kingdom, a different perspective, a different hope. It's a costly one. And so let's not kid ourselves, if we're gonna be disciples, if we're gonna follow Jesus, it's gonna cost us. It's gonna be tough. It's not something fluffy and light that we can just walk into. But it's so worth it. It's so worth it. I don't know if any of you have seen the programme Pilgrimage on BBC Two in recent weeks. It's a, a series of celebrities, some of whom I know, I never seem to know any of these celebrities, but anyway, uh, they're on this pilgrimage and they're taking this old pilgrimage route. And some of them are Christian, some of them are not, some of them are agnostic, some atheists, some other faiths, and they're travelling this route of pilgrimage together. The token Christian in there has shared something of his story, what we might call his testimony. And in sharing his story, he used some line like this. He basically said, I discovered religion a few years ago. And I was just so saddened by the fact that the one token Christian in this little group of people talks about discovering religion years ago. You know, years ago I didn't discover religion, I discovered Jesus Christ and I discovered a living, vibrant relationship with him. And that's what we've discovered at Light and Life, is that actually Jesus changes lives. He meets with us, he changes our lives. It's not that we discover religion, but it's that we discover him. And that's what Mark says happens here. These disciples don't go, well that sounds like a really nice religion, let's leave my boat and come and follow you. 
they're like wow this is Jesus and this is the first of those at once in fact it's the second of those at once's that Mark uses at once they left their nets and followed him at once the wonder of Jesus causes everything else to fall away and I guess that's my prayer for us over this term even in this strange period of lockdown no matter how long that lasts that we would again sense that wonder that majesty that Peter wrote about that wonder of who Jesus is that it would necessitate in us really that at once we just say yes Lord if you are who you say you are come to me let me be transformed but that's for the first time for the umpteenth time that we would travel with him and follow him more passionately as a result so where are you at? Where are you at this afternoon? Where are you at as we open up Mark's Gospel together? Where are you at even to that line that this is the Messiah? This is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This is good news. How are you responding to that person? You see, I think for many of us, we're going to come with preconceived ideas. I confess that. I have many preconceived ideas of who Jesus is. My prayer is that some of those will be blown out of the water for myself, let alone for you, over this term as we travel this together. Where do we need God just to reshape our understanding of who Jesus is? And secondly then, can I encourage you just to read the book for yourself? So often we listen to preachers, we listen to commentaries, we read Christian books, but why don't we read the book itself? It's only 16 chapters, you know we give them away. If you want one, as I said, just let us know. Come on to bobmenlightenlife.co.uk, give us a connection there, we'll post one to you, we'd love to give you one for free. Grab the book, read it. 16 chapters, won't take you a long time, have a read of it through. Read it for yourself, say, God, what do you want to show me as I read this with him? And you know, I think one of the things that I'm always aware of in times like this is, is I no doubt will look back on this time and think, well, there was so much I achieved and there were so many other things. Why didn't I do that? I actually had the space to do that. I was locked down. I could have done this. And I don't do that. I don't want to be like that. I want to be intentional. I want to be determined in what I'm doing. Can I encourage this? Get hold of the book. Read Mark's Gospel. You won't stop there. You read that book, you'll be on to the next one. But read it and say, God, show me who Jesus is is once again that is what mark is crying out for that's what mark wrote for that we would discover jesus christ the son of god the messiah my prayer is he shows us so much more of himself as we travel this together let's pray together in the quiet why don't you just tell the lord what you need from him over this term You know, in these times of lockdown, we are finding ourselves in a very odd place, aren't we? Maybe you've experienced so many emotions just in these last few days, let alone these last few weeks. This is Jesus Christ, God's Son, the Messiah. He knew what it was to be a man. He knew what it was to be a human being on this earth. He knew what it was to endure all the emotions that were enduring. As we wait in his presence, just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. And as I pray that, I sense that the Lord would really want just to reassure some of us. Of his goodness. Of his faithfulness. Hmm. And bizarrely, you know, God's not dead, I said it there, and, and perhaps some of us just need to hear that again I'm not recommending the film I'm just telling you God's not dead
Holy Spirit, I pray for each person listening to this today. I pray that we would know the peace and the presence of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And Lord, that you challenge us over this term to know you better. And we continue in prayer as Clive and Sally lead us.